My name is Dimitri, and I'm a productivity and minimalism enthusiast. I'm Chance. I'm a philosophy and ethics enthusiast. And you're listening to the Rise Productive Podcast. The show where productivity meets philosophy. And what it means to build a better life. Enjoy the show. If you're listening to this, you are not on our private subscriber feed, and you will only be hearing a portion of this episode. If you'd like to listen to the full-length episode, you'll need to go to riseproductive.com membership or sign up on your favorite podcasting app for exclusive access. From there, you'll also get access to our exclusive newsletter, the weekly pour-over, our private members-only Slack community, and any other subscriber-only content. So if you enjoy what we are doing here, please consider becoming a member. You know what's crazy? By the end of this week, if we take into account the fact that I will have been, you know, I take, take some days away done the math I will be 50 videos ahead by the time I move into the apartment 50 that is that's nuts man that's a lot of videos I will probably be done by tomorrow which means I'll really my peak of like aheadness will be 53 you know Jesus Uh, and you know it's the crazy thing any other time in my career as a youtuber that would mean i'd be you know like three months <laughs> but now that i switched to daily uploads it's like ah oh, no you're only like i mean 50, 50 days ahead yeah you're only 50 days seven weeks ahead so it's nice uh by the time i like move out i'll still be three weeks ahead um and it's it's crazy just that i've gotten to the point of being able to like sit down in front of my computer and just be like, I'll be blunt. Uh, I had a different content calendar plan going into this month than, or next month, both months than I thought between sponsors reaching out to me during the huge batch of recordings and me having to shift stuff around or me doing some tinfoil hat videos as you called them. Uh, <laughs> you got to, when you record like 50 plus videos, you just got to throw in like five videos where you're, it's mainly commentary. Like for example, the other day I recorded one that's called task management's a joke. Here's why. And it's not that comical, but it's me just kind of being blunt about how to be productive. Like uh, work when you're supposed to work, don't work when you're not supposed to work, get off your phone. Like, it's just like me just listing off like (laughs) very basic, like everyone asked me how to be productive. And at some point I realized it's, it's not actually that hard. Just, I think my three tips were omelet station principle, deep work, and enjoy what you do, which is pretty much, I feel like that narrows it down enough. Yeah, that narrows it down enough. I mean, that, those are three really good starting places because all three of those, the omelet station principle is easy once you're a pro at it but all three of those are kind of hard to jump start especially mm. finding something that you enjoy that can be tough or yeah. enjoying the process in and of itself even if you don't exactly love what you're doing but like by you know doing the deep work and finding that enjoyment mm. yeah, that's a good starting point I mean like there's a million productivity tips running around that people act like you need to catch them all like you're some kind of Pokemon master <laughs> But all you need is a few that really resonate with you. And then once you have that, I mean, that's like your toolkit. Like, you know, it's like Batman. He only has like 
a limited amount of space on the on the toolkit on his like little his little belt thing. You can't fill it up with all these different items. You're just going to be weighing yourself down. Yeah, you know, like he's rich, so he's got to have like his his money <laughs> clip in there. <laughs> he's got to have his ridge wallet, <laughs> and then his pager, and then he's pretty much done. His ridge. Are we wallet. just gonna? Is this gonna be a recurring joke where we just make a Batman's rich joke? <laughs> And the sponsor of today's video is Ridge Wallets. It's Ridge Wallet. Uh, I wish. Hey, Ridge. Sponsor us. Um, how you been, man? Doing pretty good. Just been um, another week at the craft. Just uh, going to the bike shop and um, just enjoying life. Nothing um, too nuts going on. I, I'm still applying for jobs. I actually started applying for a bunch of uh, aldermen's offices. So, oh. um Okay. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. I got one that got back to me, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but other than that, um, I'm going to Kentucky on Thursday. Kentucky. So we're uh, we're up recording this early on a Tuesday morning, and this this will be out while I'm still in Kentucky, going to visit some family. There's a little like a uh, high school graduation yeah. party that I'm going to, and uh, might try to catch up with a lad or two back from middle school, but um. Mostly just going to be family time, so I'm excited for that. I'm not excited for the Greyhound rides to and from because bus ticket or not bus tickets, plane tickets were too expensive. But I uh, couldn't imagine taking one of those. I've never taken one of those outside of us. You know, we've taken buses together plenty of times with track, but I couldn't imagine doing it outside of that context. I mean, the bus setup is pretty much the same. Just imagine instead of your friends, it's just a bunch of random people. Exactly. That's why I really don't want to imagine myself in that <laughs> circumstance. Yeah, it's a little tough. I mean, I don't, I don't get up out of my seat. I kind of sit there the whole time, mm. and uh, I mostly don't sleep. But this one starts at six a.m., so we'll, we'll see. What happens if you need to take a wee? I've I've typically held it historically. Are you able to? No, you can. There's a bathroom in the bathroom. There's a bathroom. Is it like the same bus ish? Yeah, no, I mean, it's almost the same buses that we use for track meets. Mm. Well, sometimes you just got to take a wee, you know what I'm saying? No, you um, just got to take a wee. How you doing, man? I'm excited about the new uh, change of pace from a couple of perspectives. It's like, I feel like my mom's asked me, how excited are you to go? And I'm like, yes, I'm excited to be with the guys. And obviously that's first and foremost, but just from another perspective... I want to thank you for the idea because it is a huge forced YouTube vacation Mm. due to just the logistics of getting the setup recording wise over here would have just been stupid. And I obviously had to just say no. So it kind of forced me to go really hard into recording and editing. And I think it's done a couple things for me. Like I've been really focused on getting my craft better and quicker. So I've learned how to really get through a lot of videos. But in that, I've also learned how to get nice edits done quickly. So I've managed to put out more edits with like minor zooms on the recording, the screen recording, or having it cut between screen recording to my full A-roll shot. Like just Mm -hmm. stuff like that. It's almost like when you're doing, you know, like when you see those crazy videos on YouTube of people doing things insanely fast and like an assembly line or something. Yeah. I've learned little bits and pieces of my editing process to get it to be that quick. And I think it's 
a long-term great thing for me. So this whole thing has gotten me to, I'm going to take a break, but also I got really skilled at the thing because of how much I had to do. I know it's possible to get really far ahead. Uh, so multi-pronged, happy about the future. New job's pretty great. Very different work culture. Uh, not that the first one was bad. I think when you're in a smaller agency, you have a little bit more sense of urgency due to lack of overall clients. When if you lose one client, the whole company goes down. Sort of a little stressful, right? Little, yeah, <laughs> little different. Um, so now it's like it's a big company. We got options. We have a lot of stuff in the pipeline. So if anything falls through, we're gonna keep getting more people and more business. So it's like when I saw the list of new business, I'm like, oh, we uh, yeah, we're fine if anything happens. So that's it's different. Yeah, that's nice, especially from the work perspective. That uh, I feel like at your old job, you were so laser focused on having that one big client and doing everything for them. And I think that's why people were so unwilling to strike a more healthy work-life balance is like, well, I could lose everything if we lose this client. And it's like, well, it's never that deep ever. But also, like, I understand why people might fall into that kind of thinking. And so I, that's good that you have the a job where it's a little more diversified. And from the... Uh, from the little uh, YouTube vacation perspective, I'm excited, man. I'm I'm happy that it's like playing into your favor in so many different ways. I didn't think about that until you had just said that. But like, it's a really good exercise in how far you can go and how much you can laser focus those skills. And then it's going to be a complete 180. It's just going to be like hitting the chill button. And I'm excited to see what it'll be like once you get back feeling refreshed. I think you'll have like hundreds more of ideas. I definitely think the hustle grind I've been on for a while has been good in a sense, but anybody who knows anything and we'll talk about some of the stuff we learned from the books, like in deep work, taking breaks is important. And I really haven't worked. I think what's crazy about this is the deep work side of things and the importance of the fact that I only have done all of this pretty much before dinner like I, I haven't really done anything outside of podcasting with you at night and I think I'm often asked by people like, how do you pump out so many videos you have a job right yada 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 and the only people I've ever had to be like pushbacky about deadlines with is these sponsors who want videos like yesterday and I'm like hey I can pump this thing out in like a day but I have my own content calendar that is arbitrary but I am doing all these batch recordings and batch edits, batch edits, so it saves me like 10 hours in the aggregate. So no, you're not going to get this video until like next Friday. And that's that because you don't need to spend your marketing budget by next Friday. So chill. Uh, like for example, one of the sponsors asked me for like a third round of edits. And literally what I did was I said, I'm going to work. You wanted the video up by today here's the final draft. I've made the edits that you, you asked for. I will not be able to edit this video. And they said, okay, it looks perfect. And I'm like, yeah, sure it does. <laughs> That's funny. Why did, why did they want another round of edits? Just like they had, they even seen the final product and they just said more edits. They saw every single time they had asked for edits and 
I'm very much a proponent of the whole do something A minus work. And if you do a bunch of A minus work, you're going to do more than the average person does in general. So sometimes I will make mistakes when it comes to these sponsored videos, but most of the time the edits are arbitrary wording things that the consumer doesn't even notice. And mm. my idiosyncrasies and how I talk sometimes don't line up with brand identity or something. I don't know, like me talking about pricing at the beginning of video is something that most people actually care about. The reason I put pricing at the beginning of every new app review is why. Because who cares about the app if they're not going to actually buy it? I don't want to waste people's time, which is why me disliking everybody's comments about the whole like, you didn't bring up that the Google Calendar integration is $4 a month. I'm like, every single video I list the price of everything. This is the one time I didn't do it and you guys are complaining. <laughs> Yeah, but that makes sense why you do that at the beginning. I mean, you're not the, you're you're not a, I mean, you are like sponsoring some of these brands, but you're not like a actual like influencer or like a member of that team. And so it's like, no. you don't have to persuade someone to buy this product and then, you know, dangle the little dollar in front of them and say, hmm, you gotta be quicker than that. It's like, it's, it's like, guys, they're not going to get your product if they go to your page and realize it's $10 a month and it's too much for them. Like, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'd rather not waste the person's time. So stuff like that. But anyways, yeah, it's been a good exercise. Getting a lot of work done recently and I'm just excited to... I've sat a lot here and do a lot of recording. Like I've been recording probably for like a month straight, I feel like. So it's going to be different. It's going to be nice not to edit. I've loved how good I've gotten at editing quickly. I think I've had a lot of fun with editing due to the Pomodoro, like these, these Blink App Suck series and whatnot. And I've gotten good at being Mimi and... I made another video called Notion Still Sucks. Here's why. And um, <laughs> it's just been, it's been good over here. Don't want to get too much out of way before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, which is our 10 items from one year, 10 action items from one year of reading books. Yes, let's get into it with a little enthusiast quote of the week. Quote is, quote, twice and thrice over, as they say, good is it to repeat and review what is good. Plato. Mm, we love Plato. I like this quote a lot because I think that it aligns well with the manner in which we do book reviews. I, I was kind of reflecting on how we typically look at book reviews and when you said you want to do a review of all the ones we've done in the past so I was like well what's the best way to see if these things have aged and it's mm. what what action items have stuck with us and we think about consistently to this day from those books and so I thought that there's no better way to, to score a book than to say oh th this is something that still exists in my life some idea from that book Mm -hmm. now I, I just kind of forgot about it what did that book say i don't remember yeah and i think a big message we've had on all of our book reviews is if you're gonna read something you need to have an action item from it people who hate on self-help miss the point because there's a cycle that you can fall in with any form of media which is consume 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 and don't reflect or act on it so there's like a really interesting video about how self-help is this constant hamster wheel of, of not doing anything but 
forcing you to read it over and over again and make yourself feel good. And then you read another one, you make yourself feel good, but you don't do anything. And I'm like, wow, you really read all of those wrong then, huh? So you, you, you had a bad experience. You didn't, you didn't do it right. And you're going to just write off an entire genre. Cool. Um, <laughs> I mean, he did a caveat a lot and say he could have done better, but regardless, I think if you're reading self-help, the way to go is to have action items. Nobody's ever right. But in my opinion, I think if you're not taking anything away from a self-help book it's not a self-help book anymore yeah and i think it's one of those things as as with most types of uh media consumptions that people are very passive in the way that they want to do it and they say like oh let like let the lesson come to me i want something to just like i want to consume this thing and then like i want to feel the emotion i want to feel Mm. happy because i consume this thing or i want to feel productive because i consume this thing but no it's it's always a dialogue, as I say, with any kind of content consumption. And if you're not annotating or reflecting or thinking in some type of way more deeply with that text or whatever kind of content it is, you're not going to really gain anything from it. You can't expect the person who makes it to put 100% effort in and then you're just putting 1% in. Like, how, how are you just like, uh, it kind of baffles me a little bit retweet tweet that podcast sean it's a dialogue <laughs> that was good that was like a is that a youism or yeah that's a meism. that's good tweet that podcast sean <laughs> tweet that podcast sean <laughs> shout out joshua fields Melbourne. that's funny how powerful would it be if we just had like a little like uh alexa or some kind of ai listening on the podcast and just tweeting out stuff dude if you don't think i'm gonna figure that out during my time off you're crazy <laughs> tweet that podcast sean <laughs> like i just get it to like we get an automation in make.com sponsored by make.com not a meme it's free automation software for me also in my blank app sucks videos series i've just subtly started announcing or making comments about jerry starts acknowledging the fact that i get software for free so why the hell am i complaining you're an influencer and get stuff for free you complaining is hypocritical <laughs> that's funny i'm excited to see these new ones i'm excited to see the new ones roll out um but anyways totally love the quote i really think that's something i've learned from stoicism is it comes from this quote as i know obviously he's not a stoic but i either i think it's marcus aurelius acknowledges or it might be epictetus acknowledges the fact that Taking quotes at face value is stupid. And I think it goes the same way with books where taking them at face value and not having that dialogue is silly because you're not actually reflecting on it and then getting out of anything out of it. So I have tried to approach the Daily Stoic and my own readings like this, where I look at it and be like, hmm, yeah, I totally agree, but also... Let me try to not to, to get something out of it outside of what I believe is my initial instinctual learning. Yeah, that's very true. We do all carry biases anytime we approach that dialogue of consumption. And yeah, you kind of have to sift through that by actually understanding context and like what the author is saying on a, a bigger scale. And so I think that's why I like that we do full books 
and then we're going to come yeah. here and just have one little action item because it's like we didn't just read one chapter of the book where i don't know matthew walker said do x and it's like oh yeah that's exactly what he means like he doesn't mean something else or like no we have the full context of what's going on in each of these books and then we took away one little lesson from it yeah because you're probably not going to remember much outside of a few things and if you at least get something out of every book i think that's good enough uh because expecting more than that mm, is expecting more than you should of yourself honestly expect no less than one action item but expect no more than one because if you try to do a bunch then you're gonna try to like cast your your net a little too wide and when it comes to it being a bunch of different types of books i think it's important to go deep with things but going deep into personal finances like find what you found the most impactful from the psychology of money and use that find what you found the most impactful from why we sleep etc yeah i definitely agree and so for the podcast today Dimitri had a good little uh, good little setup going. We're going to go through 10 books that we have read slash listened to in the past year. We're going to hit you with a re-evaluated score of the new book. And then we're going to give you one action item from each of these books that uh, we take away and think about to this day. Yeah. Uh, for, what, do you want to just go through the list? Knock these guys out? Oh, let's hop right in. All First, right. we got Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. You want to go new score or action item first? I kind of I like the idea of doing the action item. And then feeling out the score based yeah, on our dialogue. Yeah, and then feeling out the score, how much we recall and such. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I have been using the eight-hour sleep opportunity window since. So amid this crazy burst of productivity regarding my recording schedule and having probably more fun videos i think i'm a little better in my videos recently because of practice but also because of energy i started going to bed and then hitting my timer on my phone and it's basically said like somewhere between seven and a half to eight hours i'll just press start and it'll force me to try to get a eight hour sleep opportunity window which brought me from being sleep deprived and not wanting to admit it to getting like decent sleep. No, it's amazing. I remember when you told me that you were doing the timer, I thought that was really powerful. I mean, that's the most tangible way to bring out the eight hour sleep opportunity window. And I think that it is a really strong action item to take from this book when you just think about the plethora of diseases and issues you can have with something like Anything below seven, truly, you can really get into some hot water. Like six hours almost seems just as bad as two, according to Matthew Walker. And so this is a good action item. Um, this is actually something that helped me out as well. In the spring, there were times when I had too much time and I just wanted, was like, yeah. let me see if I can get nine, 10 hours. And I think what I learned is that if Matthew Walker is just really calling for, for eight hours, I understand that that that's him just being realistic with people who are busy, but it also means that that's healthy. Eight hours hmm. is consistently healthy. And so I think I was like, yeah, you know what? I can get up a little earlier. I can set this 
opportunity window to be exactly eight hours or maybe even eight and a half if I really wanted to have a little room for error. And I made it just that. I didn't try to stress myself out by going nine, ten hours saying like that the returns are just, you know, exponential or even linear. They're definitely diminishing once you get up into those hours. And so, yeah, it kind of it kind of eased my mind a little bit. And so, uh, yeah, I'm just really on that eight hour, even seven and a half hour grind now. And um, yeah, it's been a good way to uh, quiet my worries. I think it's a very simple way of approaching your alarm clock situation. I think having it be something that's not like ring, 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 but more as a, a calming wake up sort of situation is nicer like adding a tone to it or something that's nice. Uh, I have been a complete meme uh, and made it the Shire uh, from <laughs> Lord of the Rings because I'm a clown. But uh, I really do enjoy waking up this way because one, I'm getting more sleep. And two, it's teaching me more about Parkinson's law. You know, I think something to be said about the whole getting ahead recording wise thing especially since I'm not getting up at four anymore is like, how the hell did that happen? But I don't have as much morning time to work, but I haven't skimped on any of my principles of after work. I will not work on YouTube. That is interesting. Yeah. I think that there was a point in time before we read why we sleep where you're like, I could get up at three thirty. Like I could get up at three. No, seriously. He's not, he's not kidding. Yeah, and it's like, well, and this was me too, but we didn't really think about Parkinson's law at that point. We didn't think that there's diminishing returns to getting up that early and giving yourself that much time. Let's try giving yourself a little less time, being a little more rested, and see how that goes. And voila, we have just as much productivity in less time. And the monthly framework really helps. Uh, The new system of batch recording, batch editing, getting better at it. And you acknowledged it to me, I think, in the Wide Resleep review, where it was like, you have gained back a lot of time with a lot of these system improvements. Why the hell do you still get up at four? Like, you always are just fitting more in. Like, you've gotten to the daily schedule now. What realistically could you fit more in? You fit in a monthly recording schedule in two and a half weeks. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I really should just move it back to like, it takes me three, three and a half weeks to record a month of videos and then like do a couple of days of sales funnels and, and sleep like a human being. And you're like, yeah, that's how that should work. <laughs> yeah, you just got to pace yourself. I think it's good for the aggregate. But yeah, that was a good epiphany from the book. And um, yeah, even though this was a really long and dense book from Matthew Walker with a lot of anecdotes, a lot of science, I think there were some good takeaways and mm-hmm. sleep is not talked about enough in the self-help space and society writ large. So I'm liking this. What, what are we thinking for the new score? I got an idea. This is what we're going to do. At the end of each of these talks, we're going to go three, two, one, and then we're going to both say our score. And we're going to average it. All right. Three, two, one, seven and a seven half. Seven and a half. Let's Ooh. go. <laughs> I love when we're in sync like that. Nice. Seven and a half out of ten. That was okay, that's really hot. That, that was sweet. First, that was sweet. <laughs> the first try. That was not scripted, people. Yeah, that wasn't at all. Okay. Oh, okay seven and a half. Cool. Let's move on. 
Uh, Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. That was something that came to us through Ali Abdal's video on it. I think we jest about him a lot, but Ali is a smart guy and definitely has some great ideas and books. His book recommendations are great, actually. Uh, so this book is about psychology of money, very practical money advice. And number one takeaway for me and you probably is compounding is king. Uh, and time in the market is more important than time in the market. So just stay in there, keep investing. You're probably going to be fine if you never pull your money out. Good advice, especially uh, in the tumultuous times such as these. Yeah. Don't pull your yeah, money out right now, people. Seriously, everything's on sale. Invest more. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's why that's that's always the way I looked at it. When the pandemic had that like kind of artificial crash, it was the first time I started getting into investing and I was like, "Oh my god, everything is half off." Me buy buy buy. And just like that, I had a good uh good little portfolio going. But um nonetheless, I think we are creatures of immediate gratification, short-term worries and benefits. And I think that, yeah, I mean, he had like 20 lessons in the book, but almost 10 of them just had this underlining principle of just compound. Compounding is so powerful. Just think about the aggregate. Think about the long term. Don't think about right here and now. And I really like how it actually is about the psychology. Like it really was. Mm. It's practical advice, but a lot of it was very intangible because it is so psychological. It wasn't really like personal finance, like, don't spend that $5 on coffee. Save your $5 mm-hmm. and put it in the S&P. Like, he never said anything as formulaic as that because he knows it's different for every person. But yeah, I think compound is king. Um, patience. Patience. And I think about this across any part of my life at this point. Like every, I, Sometimes I just think about like, yeah, every time I wake up and decide to, to write some script, it's just me getting a little bit better. I was actually... Uh, I didn't tell you this, Dimitri. I was just hanging out with your cousin oh. this, uh, this past weekend. Yeah. Yeah, he came down and... Uh, nice. Because uh, my partner's uh, old roommate was in town, so... Oh, okay. Dimitri's okay. cousin came down and um, I just published the newsletter the, on the power of walking and um, Dimitri's cousin goes, hey man, you're actually like not a bad writer. Like you're pretty good. And I was he like... Actually, he pays attention to the newsletter. Yeah, yeah, he does. And mm-hmm. I was like, damn, I really appreciate you reading the newsletter for one. And like, two, like, thank you. Like, I think um, it's come a long way. Mm-hmm. Like, just the writing. And uh, that's, I kind of told him something like this. I was like, I don't think that any one newsletter is really going to make me good. But I just think it's really good practice for like the aggregate. Like in a couple of years, imagine how much better practiced I'll be. 100%. I think your newsletters are better than mine. Uh, like, I think I have the unique ability to articulate over microphone and video probably better but from a writing standpoint you're you you're better than me i just don't have the there's something there to your writing that i like a lot and it's hard to it's intangible i appreciate that but yeah it's definitely true that you can articulate yourself better over the video and you got that that nice radio voice i got the radio voice and i can meme a little harder anyways uh i think we should Right, let's do it. Do a countdown. Uh, wait, I gotta get my score. What do you, do you got your score? Yeah, I got my score. 
Three, two, one, seven. Eight point two five. Whoa! Wait, I, I was actually going to say seven point two five. I I take that back. In my head, I had it and I didn't speak properly. So right, let's do eight. Let's do seven point two five and eight point two five. So that gets us to seven point seven five. Yeah, that's that's a better score than why we sleep. Uh, so that's just barely narrowing out why we sleep. All right, so I'm just going to actually slide that above there. All right, so next, we're not going to have an action item from two books in here, so I actually just want to knock those out really quick. Um, Downmore's Dilemma and the War of Art. Let's go with the War of Art first because I'm in the, the feeling to meme right now. War of Art was dog water. <laughs> um, dog rider wrapped in cat piss, and you can't wrap liquids around each other, but that's how crazy this book was. Um, I love Matt Diavella, but I don't like his book taste, clearly. And, you know, I gotta say, Stephen Pressfield, here's the thing. A lot of great sentiment in this book. I think he really wanted the best for people. I'm gonna stop joshing for a second and just acknowledge, I think he's trying to get people to better themselves, and it's a good book from the where it's coming from. But Chance and I, personality-wise, do not mix with this book because it was basically an old conservative guy telling us to get hard and I'm just we're both over here like we do work pretty hard so I don't really feel like Karen you yell at me about this yeah you know he I mean he uh commercializes it as like it's a a good kick in the a I'm like I don't need that like I, I wake up I wake up every day and hit myself 10 times in the a yeah and I say time to start the day I don't I don't need that I get how some people might need that but it wasn't for me. Um, it was also quite intangible if we're thinking about it from mm. the action items perspective. It was very like the muse metaphysical book where it's like the muse. resistance. Yeah, the muse, bro. Don't get me started on the muse again. <laughs> go back go back and listen to the book review of uh, the War of Art if you want to hear us talk about the muse. But this is how you know this book was uh was underwhelming. I got emails from people saying, hey, you mistitled this. It's supposed to be The Art of War. I'm like, huh, lol. People don't even respect Stephen Pressfield to know that, like, it's The War of Art. And I think that the title of this also gets me. Like, just make it a different title because it's so confusing. Because we also have The Art of War on here. Yeah. Sounds <laughs> Before we hopped on to start this, uh, this podcast, Dimitri and I were, like, just confused for about 30 seconds about what we were talking about because we're like going back and forth about these books it's like so wait you you want to talk about the the war of art no it's called the art of war i'm like no no that's what i'm talking about that's <laughs> so funny man uh, so uh let's score this thing bad book intangible eight out of ten. Oh yeah sorry that's a that's a callback <laughs> to any of my blank app suck series but when i say that i'm kidding on those videos so Let's be serious about this rating. All right. All right. Three, two, one, three. Five. Okay. So we're giving it a four? Yeah. That's pretty, really harsh. It is really harsh, but man, I just, I, I could not stand this book. Um, yeah. All right. Omnivore's Dilemma by Michael Pollan. I actually like this book, but mm-hmm. I respect the fact that it's not self-help. It doesn't yeah. have the, the tangible item at least as easily, like tangibly. Um, I, yeah, good book. I mean, it had like a lot of good lessons. It, it had me stuck at some points with all the talk about grass. That was a, that was mm. a long section. 
But yeah. Good anecdotes, and he's just a really good journalist. I think we're going to enjoy it. We should do caffeine now that we have Audible. So we shall do like two or three free ones so we can get some runway because I got to buy some pre-orders for the new Ryan Holiday books. Um, mm. I actually pre-ordered the Kindle version already because I actually want to support him as an artist. So, artist. Is he? Sure. And I pre-ordered it and it was also half off for the pre-order for the Kindle version. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. But I do want to get it for you to make it easier. And I think in order to get some books probably get some free ones out of the way and one of the book reviews we can do is caffeine which is also by him which you have said is good and i trust your judgment so overall this is just very interesting book about you know eating habits and and the way that the current structure is for uh, a lot of the the food chain things that we have going on so i very much recommend this book however no action items outside of go check out and read it uh score Three, do you have it? Yeah, I got it. Three, two, one, seven. seven. Did you say seven? Yeah, seven. Yeah. Strong seven. Yeah, it's it, it's a good book. Um, Unfortunately, we're not, we don't do a lot of those because we are, it's like we're, we're very intrigued in a lot of things in the world, but we do want to do more self-help stuff because the action item side of things with those books. Okay. Exactly. For our work by Tim Ferriss, one of the most popular self-help books of all time. And Tim Ferriss is one of the most interesting people I've ever met. Very much a book about how to do things in in a way that was, you know, he was pioneering when he wrote this book. A lot of people were not down with the whole idea of remote work. They thought it was silly. They thought the idea of getting to work remote wasn't good for their, there wasn't anything crazy good for their life. But he realized there's a lot of wasted time in the workplace. You convince your boss to get you to work remote. You're only really going to be working less. I can either confirm or deny whether that actually happens when you work remote. Because I don't want to incriminate myself. And <laughs> no, but every person who works from home probably works less. If they implement these principles. And talks a lot about delegation, automation. Number one takeaway from us. For, for us, I think. You, you probably agree with me on this is. Read fiction before you go to bed. <laughs> I think this book is where the little phenomena of like the action item started with us. Mm-hmm. Because it's so left field. Like the whole book is not about reading fiction before you go to bed. That is probably like the 50th point that he wanted to get across in that book. But it was one that really stuck with us. I mean, it was just a couple sentences and both of us were like, yeah, that's like just valuable good knowledge but he does talk a yeah. lot about automation delegation but nonetheless i think that was the thing that stuck with us the most i mean i think dreamlining sticks with me a lot too True. but it's not something as actionable or at least not actionable on a daily basis as reading fiction um so yeah i i, I like this action item it's something that i employ like I, I try i was actually um i was reading a non-fiction book and i was reading the Miracle of Mindfulness by Thich Nhat Hanh at the same time. Mm. And neither of those are fiction. Okay. So I was in a real dilemma of like, what am I going to read before bed? So sometimes I wasn't reading before bed. And sometimes I read the Thich Nhat Hanh because it's about meditation. So it would be a good thing to read before I tried meditating. Okay. Typically what happens, I usually read then meditate. So I did that and it actually did help. But um, there's nothing better than soothing yourself with a little bit of fiction. 
Can I ask you a question really quick just to, on the book subject? Would you be interested in if we, similar to how we go in on the Audible thing together, if we, I know you're trying to get a tablet, but if you get a tablet that also had a Kindle app on it, like one of those like paper-like sort of tablets, then we went in on together so like we, we'd share like a book library. Oh, on Kindle? Kindle? I feel like that'd be really convenient for everybody in all parties yeah. involved. Because I, I use my dad's Amazon, but like in the future, I don't want to deal with all that. There's no advantages from a prime perspective really for having Kindle books. And we, I have all those like Ryan holiday books and stuff bought on there. I feel like it'd be much easier. We should, well, we'll, uh, we'll sync up offline about that. But, um, I hate when people do that at work. They say, we'll, we'll talk about that <laughs> offline. I'm like, we'll it's not offline. offline. You're still technically online because it's a virtual connection. I don't understand that. Ugh. Anyways, um, we should do that. <laughs> but yeah, I like the idea. I like that. Yeah. Um, that would good. That'd be good to foster this uh, this little action item even further. Because I have a really good book right now called Aragon. It's like I bought with a gift card a four book series. Great. I read it as a kid. Reading it again. The Harry Potter books are great. I want to do that with that. I want to virtualize all of my books because reading a Kindle before bed. This is something that you probably haven't experienced yet, but Here's the thing, when you have a Kindle, Kindle Paperwhite, it does the same thing. It doesn't do the same thing as like blue light, right? It's just, it's a different light. You're not going to, you're going to get tired while reading it just like a book. Mm-hmm. Nobody, everyone sleeps on the fact that you can hold with one hand a Kindle and lay on your bed and read it. Unlike a book. That is the biggest downside to a book. It's just like, it's so much easier to hold my phone in bed. than a book when you do that with a kindle and you experience what it's like to basically pass out almost while you're reading a kindle and you just turn it off and like toss it to the side of your bed or whatever your bed stand is and fall asleep you will it'll completely change your opinion on what do you want for a bedside read because you do not have to try to hold the thing i like that i like that a lot i really gotta get a tablet or something man now well i just say but i also need a better laptop my laptop is trash. I've decided. We'll, we'll sync on this. I think it'll be. We'll, we'll talk offline. Uh, so we'll sync. <laughs> let's talk about the uh, score. Uh, do you got yours? I do. Okay. Three, two, one, seven, eight. Okay. Yeah. I think I give it an eight because this is a book we read really early on, at least in my self-help journey. I didn't appreciate it enough. We did not. At the time. I think that's a book that is going to jump score, not uh, not fall. I don't know what the old score used to be, but I imagine that this one went up, whereas some of them may have gone down. Something like, um, well, I don't even know if anything has gone down yet. I mean, I guess the War of Art obviously went down, but that's no shocker. <laughs> um, I'm looking for a book that, uh, that hit us at first and then kind of lost touch. I think psychology of money went down a little bit i'm almost positive um but not a mm. crazy amount like i think it was like an eight plus or seven high but now it's seven and uh it's seven high still but i think it's somewhere around there uh maybe a wipey sleep but i'm not sure okay deep work great book kale newport is one of my favorite authors awesome guy i really think he's done a lot for us in our journey takeaway from it is do deep work um schedule four hours of deep work a day focus time you can't work another side part of that point is you really can't do more than four hours of deep work a day whether you think you can or not 
You said you really can't do more than four hours a day of deep work. Is that what you yeah. Said? Mm-hmm. yeah, I agree, and I think that this went against the the dogma of kind of those grinders, people who go to the library and they claim that they put down 10, 12 hours of studying. I've always known that that's BS. Thank you. But I've never been able to actually like explain exactly why I think it's BS. And Deep Work by Cal Newport just enabled me. It gave me the tool. It said, instead of me just shaming someone for like, I know you're on your phone, just admit to me you're on your phone because you're clearly not like actually working for 12 hours. Like this is not possible. Now I have the facts from Cal Newport and it says even the most productive people really just can't get deep for more than four hours. You can do shallow work. Oh, you yeah. can send emails or maybe outline a paper, something, you know, I don't know, pushing papers around or something like that. But if you're doing deep critical thinking or writing, forget about it. Forget four about hours, it. And four hours is for like the pros. I mean, the way Cal Newport addresses it is that if you're not a master in getting deep, you're not going to get four hours. You're probably going to get more like two. 100%. And I think I'm not a master yet. And I feel that this really changed the way that I approached. Like, honestly, dude, us reading this book, these books, just a side tangent, us reading these books across the board has gotten me happier, healthier, and more productive in the sense that more healthy productive because I stopped BSing myself in my head about a lot of things. And this one was a big one to be like, hey, stop working after dinner. Like you already got up early. Like you can't do more than that. To do shallow work in the micro time that you have. And you'll make up for the all this BS of like, oh, I gotta get early, get up early to do like video outlines. That's not deep work. Like I was lying to myself. I was using the morning times for outlining scripts. Now I got rid of all that deep work time that I was wasting that I thought was deep work time on script writing for, for productivity app videos. Script writing's silly. Uh, and even thumbnails, you know, they take me a couple minutes. It's automated. I don't really need to schedule morning time for that. That kind of stuff. It was really big for me on, on that. Yeah, I definitely agree. I don't know if it was just this book or a lot of content consumed that just taught me the sacredness of morning time and how that really has to go towards something deep. I think maybe Cal Newport advocates for doing deep work in the morning. I think that's more so from the perspective of make sure that you can schedule it out on your own time. And typically in the mornings, people are free for at least a few hours before the workday starts. I think that's probably more the reason why he says that. But somebody like Captain Sinbad always advocates for the freshness of your brain in the morning. And um, so I think those ideas in tandem has really gotten me to have a real reason to get up in the morning and actually do something for the side hustle. And something that's deep oriented, like you said, there are times when I wake up and it's like, all right, let me push some emails around or I don't know, like just do some administrative stuff. No, I'm doing that later when I'm tired and can do that while not even thinking and holding my breath. Yeah. And it just changes the way that you view the morning hours to be more focused, more intentional and makes the way that you view work in general to be more intentional. All right. So. Hmm. We got your score? Yeah, I got my score. All right. 
three, two, one. Seven point seven five. I was gonna say eight point two five. Eight. Okay. Yeah, I think it deserves an eight. I think this is a book that deserves an eight. I that's our highest scored so far, so we got salad amount of books. We've done one, two, three. We have six so far. Okay, halfway. So how to be a stoic was an interesting book because I was not that into philosophy before you brought this up to me, I don't think. No, this was um, kind of your introduction to philosophy. I definitely introduced this to you as an introduction text. I remember reading this in um, Philosophy 310. It was like a philosophy of human nature class where we went over yeah. stoicism, epicureanism, and skepticism. And that was basically the entire class. And... um these are three schools that I was unfamiliar with. And so when she handed us this book, the professor and said, read these select chapters. I think it was a really nice introduction into the metaphysics and ethics of stoicism. It was a super helpful introduction. So I handed it off to Dimitri. Didn't even notice that Tim Ferriss had uh, given it a review mm-hmm. that was slapped right onto the cover. And I was like, wow, stars are <laughs> aligning right here. You know, I got to say this, and it's it's obviously totally fair to think that I wouldn't have been into it in college, but I envy what you majored in because I really fundamentally believe I didn't learn jack from my business education from a practical standpoint. I just got a degree that allowed me to achieve a, or acquire a job, right? Mm. I learned all of my actual skills from online certificates and whatnot to be blunt and i would have really enjoyed having this mind and being in the classes you were been in the past like year and a half two years because you got to read this for class yeah it was dope that's so dope dude <laughs> no it was nice um i envy everyone else for having degrees that are attractive employers. <laughs> <laughs> but um Hey, that's why I'm going to law school, man. I got yeah, three more years to get an attractive degree. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't regret having a, a degree in philosophy. I think um, I learned a lot of soft skills that are just um, invaluable. Mm-hmm. It, it's like being a, I don't know, I, I keep thinking about this, but Ryan Holiday put it so well the other day. The difference between being educated and well-schooled. It's like well-schooled is just a piece of paper, but if you're educated, have a growth mindset, are willing to always think critically and like kind of change your opinions with life that that's the real lesson of school and mm. i think i kind of got that from my undergraduate degree i think i've always been a big proponent of learning things i'm a big fan of learning but it's only when i feel like i'm getting something out of it and this book i definitely did get something out of it and it was just to study philosophy because of the impact that it can make on you and i'd always thought philosophy was a meme uh through my first time in college with a philosophy class, I had some minor interest, but then hot take, I think the social environment of the room for the non-philosophy major was that this is dumb, we shouldn't care. And I fell into it a little bit, as well as I was not in the right mindset to care. And I wish I could go back in time and enjoy those philosophy classes, because the one class I skipped more than a few times, which I was not a big skipper of classes in college. Once class I skipped like four times in college was my philosophy mm. of 
philosophy of ethics class, which looking back on it, oh man, I would have loved that class with my mind now. Yeah, and I think it gets a bad rap. We don't have to get into this too much, but I think a lot of people think it's just armchair thinking, just getting really highbrow about stuff and not actually applying anything. And I think stoicism is a very lived out philosophy, not one that is uh, just thought or talked about a lot. And so mm-hmm. I think this was a, I think that like you say that the, the talking point or the, the talking point, the action item from this book is study philosophy. I think it built the pillar of philosophy into the rise productive mm-hmm. brand before you were always on the productivity wave we both kind of shared the uh the health and wellness thing and you you always have an interest in personal finance as well but the philosophy thing was something that i kind of did and you were kind of like okay like interesting to talk about but now it's become more applied and i think um again it gets into that uh that healthier mindset healthier productivity lifestyle philosophy is definitely a, a factor in that and so being able to share that with you and actually talk with someone more about philosophy has been really nice for me too. So uh, yeah. this was a this was a good read, good action item. Uh I'm trying to think score wise. Do you got you got yours? I do. Okay. Three, two, one. Seven point five. Six point five. Okay, seven. That's about right. I think that was a little bit of like a homage it like oh you know yeah it gave me my intro into philosophy score i think practically the book might be a little lower and i think you weighted it down for us which is good um yeah i weighed it down because really good introduction great introduction but but is it what we talk about all the time are we talking about pigliucci all the time on the podcast or are we talking about ryan holiday Mm. (laughs) listen my score is now a 6.75 which makes this a 6.25 because I did, I just got completely changed my opinion based off of that one sentence you just said. All right. So now it's a 6.625. I think that's how math works. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So this is obviously a big one. Next up, Atomic Habits by James Clear. All right. Uh, this, uh, I don't care if I'm messing up your audio editing. Um, no i'm looking at the levels it's fine uh dude this this thing was a masterpiece so good i think speaking of writing the newsletter i probably think about this with every topic that i write about this is there's always something there's always something man every like there's just so many i mean it's just filled with action items oh my god it's, it's nothing it's no fluff it's just here is the rubric. Here is the blueprint on how to build a habit. It's like we we love talking about a lot of books to reference. And I think you and I both tell people like, yeah, this is a good book. This is a good book. But then you have an epiphany during a conversation. If you're going through book recommendations, you say, stop, wait, no. Everything I just said was wrong. Read Atomic Habits. Not even a question. Exactly. And for me, it's like, we read all these books because we want good action items, but this is the ultimate action item book because it's the tools to build any action item you want. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's like all the other books are like, um, I don't know, like the, like the blueprint structure for the thing that you want to build. But James Clear came through and was like, here's the blocks of wood. 
here's a hammer and nails. Like now you can build whatever you want. It's the it's the substratum. It's the the, the sustenance that makes everything else exist in self help. I love him for this. Our, our main action item from it is follow cue craving response reward, which are the four laws of behavior change. I think in my own life and your own life, we have built a lot of habits from this book. I have got my skincare routine down. I read every night. I journal every day. I get better sleep, like all these sort of things. I fully give credit to James Clear bringing this stuff up in his book. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, it's such a good book, but it's also just so simple. Sometimes, like, hide the cue if you don't want to do that thing. Make it impossible. Make it hidden. If you want to do the thing, make it obvious. And I just set something out in my bathroom. Like, if I want to keep putting my retainer in, I set it out somewhere in my bathroom and it's like okay well now i'm going to start wearing my retainer more consistently or having a skincare routine or putting on sunscreen every day when just simple stuff when you use this in the the cue specifically with the omelet station principle if you like get your environment to be perfect to your whatever goals are for doing stuff if you use the four laws of behavior change coupled with the omelet station principle you are deceptively productive like you'll just naturally do stuff that you should be doing most of the time. And then by like dinner time, you're like, yeah, I can chill. I'm good. And, and you can get a lot done. You could, I, I sometimes write in my journal. Holy crap. Like, look at this list. I don't remember doing this list of small tasks. Right. But when you put everything into motion, just automatically and build that positive momentum, mm. it's just, the checkboxes are checking themselves. It's crazy. You you really, you really just got to read this book. Uh, I got my score. Yeah, I got my score. Three, two, one, nine point five. Nine. Yeah. All right. Nine point two five. Yes, this guy. I uh, read that book. If you haven't listened to our review, please listen to that one. It's one of our best reviews because it's gold. Um. Next, we got Digital Minimalism. This book, we gave a bad score. I'm almost positive on the first round. And I'm kind of upset because from a principal perspective, it's really good for you. If you'd like to continue listening to this conversation, you'll need to subscribe at riseproductive.com membership or on your favorite podcast app. Once you do, you'll get full-length access to these episodes of the Rise Productive Podcast, as well as access to our subscriber-only podcast and newsletter, The Weekly Pour Over.